Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new Record Club episode of the Jams and Tea Podcast, where each week one of us picks a record for everyone to listen to and then we review it. And this week, we're going to be talking about Morgan's recommended record, which is The Tragically Hips, Fully Completely. Now, Morgan, tell us, if you please, who be these tragically hip boys and what be fully completely? Tragically hip are a very like extremely Canadian band Mm -hmm. in the way that Lost Camp is British. Yeah. There is a song about Um, hockey. Very much a sort of REM reminiscent uh, Django pop influenced, but also with a more hefty dose of sort of like a raucous bar band uh, that REM never really fully embraced at least as far as I know. Well, yeah, um, I mean, the closest REM record to a Tragically Hip album is probably Monster, and even that's kind of like a self-aware sort of like pivot, whereas Tragically Hip like kind of fully embody the sort of rootsy bar band, like you say, alt-rock vibe. And of course, we're talking right in the peak, obviously not a grunge band, but we're talking right in the peak of the grunge era as well, a record that is, as I'm sure you go on to say, celebrating a significant milestone. Yes, it's... Uh celebrated its 30th anniversary just last week yes yesterday and i'm quite fond of the tragically hip i think gord downey who passed away a couple years ago brain cancer tragically i don't want to make that sound like a pun so i'm just going to redo that gord downey Uh, the lead singer and songwriter of this band who passed away, unfortunately, a couple years ago of a a battle with brain cancer. I think he's really sort of one of the great unsung writers in music of the 90s. And I feel like fully completely while also celebrating its 30th anniversary is the best starting place for the Tragically Hip. And is in many ways their best and most iconic album. Mm. So I was not familiar with The Tragically Hip before this week. I mean, I knew the name. I'd never listened to them. I didn't really know what kind of band they were. Then I saw that Morgan put this album on the spreadsheet. So I was like, okay, great. I get a chance. I get an excuse to explore a band that I've always kind of heard the name of and never really dug into. Didn't realize they were Canadian as well until I sat down and started listening. And I'll be honest, the first time I heard this album, I think a lot of what makes this band unique and a lot of what makes this album great went over my head. I think that I was kind of expecting a sort of like, you know, grunge adjacent sort of like, you know, dirty kind of rock record that's kind of about, you know, like beer and girls and all that sort of thing. Not in a like, you know, skeevy sort of way, but just in a way that is, you know, like a lot of what the time is about, you know, like relationships and all that sort of stuff. What I was not prepared for was essentially like, like a a weaker thans-esque like attention to and like weaker than sort of say anything-esque kind of like fascination with like cultural iconography essentially in a sense of place and songwriting that goes far far beyond the individual essentially so it was my you know a failure of my own assumption to assume anything about who Gord Downey was as a writer as a vocalist as a you know and who they tragically hit were as a band so it was a real pleasant surprise to actually start paying attention to this record and to realize how much was going on here. And also to realize 
actually how much of this is more attuned to my sensibilities and the kinds of things I look for in alt-rock than I was expecting. Like I certainly wasn't expecting the very obvious REM comparison, which, you know, comes very much out of Gord Downey's voice, which is very Michael Stipe-esque to, to an extent, but also just in terms of the attention to detail and some of the arrangements as well, the beauty, uh, even though it is more sort of distorted and kind of rough around the edges and stuff. These are, you know, for the most part, I think really fantastically constructed songs. Uh, again, I think the the big the best quality of this entire record is the writing, though. I really taken with uh, Gord's lyricism fairly regularly as well. I think it starts really strongly with that opening track, Courage, which I believe is one of their most sort of well known and beloved uh, songs. I think uh, Canada, from what I can understand, tra the Tragically Hip are kind of like a core band to sort of Canadian identity in terms of being like a band that you know. I imagine Canadians are quite proud of and sort of that they see as kind of a symbol of, um, you know, great Canadian art, essentially, especially because a lot of the songs are about sort of Canadian aspects of Canadian culture, Canadian figures, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Courage, of course, being a great example of that with its sort of parenthetical subtitle for Hugh McLennan, uh, who is, you know, a, a kind of... Um, one of the sort of foundational sort of cultural figures, I think, I believe an author, essentially a novelist, who essentially put Canada and Canadian culture into a sort of wider lens, essentially, uh, in the mid 21st century. And so this record does start off by paying tribute, essentially, to a, a vital figure in Canadian culture as well. And and um, I almost called the writer of the, I called the frontman of the band Hugh almost just for a second there, but I didn't. Uh, but I think... Um, that's good like he does a lot of things where he will kind of embody certain characters or certain figures that might represent or might belong to Canadian history or aspects of Canadian culture and he'll sort of speak from their perspective almost or he'll comment on aspects of what the way that sort of cultural figures or cultural taboos or things in this particular culture and again I feel like Canadians would maybe want me to point out as well that it's not just Can they're a Canadian band they're an Ontario band in specific as well um, so, and, and that kind of like, uh, I guess, regional aspect, I can't pr profess to be an expert on the culture as well, but it does feel like that a lot of, and again, this is just an impression that I get, a lot of the sorts of things or perspectives or uh, details that Gord kind of evokes maybe will mean a lot more to certain Canadians in certain areas of the country, maybe than just Canada generally. Uh, but yeah, anyway, to get away from that stuff for a bit, uh, I was really taken with how immediate a lot of these songs were as well. And I was, well, the interesting thing that really got me immediately is that the first time I listened to it, maybe even the first couple of the listens, I was more drawn to the more insular moments than the more kind of um, bombastic sort of uh, more standard kind of like Manic Street Preachers, but Canadian sort of style of stuff that they do here. Like I was uh, generally drawn initially more to songs like pigeon camera and songs like love um, that song yeah the wherewithal for instance and um locked in the trunk of a car which i think is one of the bigger singles on the record as well and then it took me a little bit of time oh and and one big song which is my favorite track here wheat kings which i think is um that song's a lot especially when you learn what that song is about and um it's you know it's very heavy subject matter and the imagery evoked in this song as well 
the the shift from this kind of abstract evocation sundown in the Paris of the prairies wheat kings of all their treasures buried all you hear are the rusty breezes pushing around the weather vane Jesus that's a little bit more of a kind of Michael Stipe abstraction type of thing but then the level of detail once the setting is established and this story that it tells this famous story of um 17 year old David Milgard who was wrongly convicted of a brutal rape and murder and served 23 years in prison before have being retrialed and freed uh, through DNA evidence and obviously this story has some significance I guess uh, understandably so I mean there's similar stories to this one similar analogs here in New Zealand as well and it's like one of those things where it illuminates a lot about the culture of the landscape and about how we view people and about how we kind of respond to unspeakable things and then how we how we kind of assign blame and how we sort of overlook maybe some of their best instincts and in trying to process the unimaginable and like it's a it's just a, a fantastically affecting song it's one of the most stripped back on the record it's just like it feels like its own mtv unplugged version essentially when you listen to it in the context of this album and it really got me the more I listened to it as well. I think it's one of my favorite songs, maybe even of 1992. Um, so yeah, initially I was really more drawn in by moments like that in Pigeon Camera and Locked in the Trunk of the Car as well. And I think maybe more as I've listened to it more and more, I've, I've come to really appreciate songs that are like, again, even more esoteric in their subject matter, like 50 Mission Cap and um, fully, uh, fully completely is a slightly more personal song. So it's a bad example, but like, like uh, 50 Mission Cap, like uh, looking for a place to happen for instance those sorts of songs have come to me a little bit more as I've gone on but yeah I was really taken with this I found it to be really captivating to be a record that really rewarded attention and uh, repeated listening as well uh, it's not something that I am say it with me kids fully completely in love with from front to back I do think that certain songs don't quite hit the mark for me as much like lionized we'll go to and el dorado which i think are all good songs at the hundredth meridian as well all good songs and they all have a relevance to some of the broader themes especially like at the hundredth meridian kind of being specifically about you know uh canadian identity as as it relates to geography um you know all of these songs have a place but they don't quite stand up to some of the higher moments i think but still generally overall i can see why this is kind of regarded as something of a classic of its era and i'm really glad like i've actually come around I, the first time when i was like um you know when i was first listening to this i was like man how are we are we going to really be able to get like a a, a a meaty you know subjects matter wise record club out of this and i was a fool for doubting morgan to be honest because yeah there's so much going on in these songs and the stories that no, thank you to remember that <laughs> the stories that god <laughs> tells are really like the sorts of stories you don't get told about these sorts of things or in this sort of way by a lot of songwriters so yeah and it's just a record that totally deserves you know more attention i mean it came out the same week let's remind ourselves maybe even the same day i'm not sure as automatic for the people by rem you know we talk oh, about wow. bringing up talk about bringing up rem right and that is a, uh, an album I think I'd love to still discuss properly in some format. But I think that, you know, in retrospect, kind of like choosing to highlight this instead is maybe like more meaningful because that is an album that, you know, has had been think pieced to death, to be, to, to be honest. Whereas this, it feels like, you know, has slightly more of a regional appeal, right? And it's cool, I think, to highlight that. Um, anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to kind of just sort of spill out most of my thoughts on the record in one go, but 
that is basically it. I think the cool thing about this band is that like, like Riley before listening to this, I knew nothing about them. Like literally the only reason I knew they existed is because I know that Crash Thompson really likes them. And so they've always been like in sort of the back of the filing cabinet of my brain, just been like, oh, I should check them out sometime. And so like after maybe the first three songs, I was instantly like, I know why Morgan loves this band. It sounds like fucking like mid career Pearl Jam if it was fronted by like Glenn Danzig <laughs> and like it, it's not as like eclectic as that sounds but like it appeals to the sort of rootsier side of Pearl Jam sound but also the kind of like it is very quintessentially Canadian but I do feel like this has a lot of kinship with a lot of Americana and a lot of where sort of um you know not really like country specifically but like just where not a million miles away from where that was going from the 90s like forward like the alt country scene particularly and so it lends this a really versatile kind of hard-hitting sound that like it might not be as like aggressive as you're expecting a lot of rock music to be but I definitely think it's harder than stuff like uh, REM which definitely like there are like kind of jangly guitars on here which are really satisfying to listen to but one of the um notable things that I feel like the producer of this album has worked on is he's mixed and like every like Judas Priest album like at least Sad Wings of Destiny through uh Painkiller so whenever this album decides to have a little bit more bite it tends to be really impactful um and they are kind of moments that I had to warm to initially because like Riley I was more drawn to the more interior stuff but the more I listened to it the more I was just like you know maybe Lion Eyes just kind of goes. Uh, like, I, th there are parts on this album that just, they kind of appeal to a more lizard brain, rock music immediacy in me. It's rare that I'm able to find a band that truly communicates to me, like, on that level, just because a lot of the times it feels sort of, like, inherently, I won't say, like, thin it's really more it's just you, you want to feel like you're enjoying something that has a bit more of a, a a holistic sort of edge to it but here i think a lot of what makes this so personality driven is the writing it is very in keeping with the whole canadian kind of stuff again there's a song about hockey on here the more i listened to this the more i just kind of valued uh everything the album was trying to do just because it has several different like modes on it I think it is a really kind of versatile experience and the writing on here is very like witty and funny sometimes like again on lionized again the 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 first I don't know if it's the first lyric but like one of the first lyrics in that song is wind blowing over my private parts and you're just like what I'm sorry what the fuck did you say to me and then Put you know at first on, kinda like, and then the more I listened to it, the more like comfortable in its sort of sound it became. And the more I was just kind of like, yeah, let's go. And it really hits all of its strengths, mostly for me in like the middle of the album. Like Pigeon Camera, I think is a great song that sort of like kicks off where the album really gets going for me. Uh, that song's a really great emotional song that's like from a more youthful perspective, uh, sort of displaying a sort of family dynamic. Um, at home and then you have like oh. lionized right after that to sort of counter it uh and locked in the trunk of a car again that's a song that riley mentioned is just being like that that one's a fucking what a great guitar tone on this song uh across the album really there's just like there's so 
much clarity to the instrumentation here that it just manages to make all of its most hooky and like immediate parts feel all the more vibrant. And it makes me kind of all the more confused that this band kind of isn't bigger just because I, I get that they're definitely like a regionally appealing band, but like musically speaking, this kind of roots rock thing that they've got going on, it, it just feels like it has so much more mileage than it, it's gotten uh, like in just, I guess, the eyes of history. But there's also songs like, again, the title track and We'll Go To, which might be my favorite song on here. I don't know. Um, I, I just really get along with this sound. And I maybe I want to say that, like, if I explored this band more, maybe my appreciation for this album might deepen even further because I do feel like this is, like, the definitive statement of a band that probably has more than one really good record. So I'm curious to see if I explore the band more and maybe I'll like albums more than this. Maybe my appreciation will deepen. But uh, there, there's, like, you know, the, the weakest moment on, on the album for me is probably 50 Mission Cap. It's just kind of a song that... I, it, it's it's irreverence is is charming and it's it, it's nice but it doesn't have like the 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 sort of scope that I think the rest of the album has both thematically and musically it, it just doesn't hold the same amount of, of water I guess when you put it up to compare it with the other tracks but I, I really enjoyed this it was a really nice breath of fresh air when we originally had this slated for the week before and we were reviewing a lot of music that I was just like, I don't know how to feel like, oh, this Alex G guy, oh, this fucking shit. And it was just nice to sit down and enjoy like a rock album that was just really, you know, fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Mm. I, I, there's a couple of songs I want to shout out. I, I've already mentioned them once or twice, uh, but uh, I want to, well, actually three songs. And I'll start by talking about the title track which is I think one of the most sort of personal songs in this record. It may just be that we've been listening to a lot of kind of like alt rock, sort of like bluesy sort of 90s shit lately. And I've just been thinking about bands like um, the Afghan Wigs and fuck, what was that Screaming other one? Trees. Screaming Trees. Yes, that's fuck. That evaded me for some reason. Uh, it may just be because I've been listening to a lot of that lately, but this song in particular really reminded me of those bands as well. Like this, it's, it's kind of like this sort of broken relationship song. It's kind of like a self-loathing song. Uh, it, it's the saddest moment. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's like, I've already talked about how fucking tragic I find Wheat Kings to be, but this is like the saddest moment on the album, I think, in a kind of like intrapersonal singer songwriter way. Uh, and it just really, really got me, especially as kind of the centerpiece of the record as well, especially as also as well. I love when an album like does a title drop and like the context of that title drop is just devastating. Like, uh -huh. and it completely changes. Like, you know, you see the album before you listen to it. Like, okay, that's the title of it. Cool. And then you hear the title in context. Like, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, uh, that, that's, that, this was an example of that. And yeah, so I love that song. I love because so much of the, of the album is about iconography and all these other sorts of things, history, stories. This was just a moment where it was like, you know, personal. And I really liked that. Um, and I'll stand up for 50 Mission Cap as well. And obviously I don't have the connection to, you know, the story of Bill Barilko or even ice hockey in general uh, to like appreciate, you know, the significance of the events being detailed here. But like, again, the more I listened to it, the more I started to appreciate kind of what that story represented. And it's a song about aging, right? Like it's a song about how, you know, events like that 
and different sort of milestones in sporting history, for instance, become like an emblem of the passage of time for you as you get older, right? And you relate to, and you kind of mark your aging essentially by your proximity to these foundational events. And I really think that from a songwriting perspective, using the kind of story of this particular, you know, very famous ice hockey player who disappeared and whose body was found, you know, decades later, and at the same time that the Leafs won the first cup since he disappeared essentially you know and using that as a kind of like overarching motif to talk about passage of time and then like that refrain of my 50 mission cap which i had to look up what that means and it's like it's specifically like an air corps uh cap or an air force cap that you know a 50 mission cap is specifically like when the cap has been worn so much that it's kind of like worn in and sort of like you know crumply and dirty and sort of tattered and stuff and like it's it's a sign essentially it's representative that that this person is kind of you know has been through a lot essentially they have earned their stripes essentially they've seen a lot of action basically and so it becomes like this uh visual motif that's emblematic of aging as a kind of military complement to sporting as well and kind of i guess highlights these two masculine ideals to which men in this environment can aspire to to be kind of like a military hero or to be someone who like goes off and represents their country and by fighting or to be someone who represents their country by achieving excellence in sport. So it's kind of like this a song about masculinity and aging that the more I thought about it, I was really getting my English uh, teacher, English like student hat on, like the more it sort of started to really, really be, I think a really, really great piece of songwriting. And I think the best piece of songwriting on this record, again, aside from uh, Wheat Kings, which is a song I keep coming back to, the other best piece of songwriting is Pigeon Camera. Uh, this song I find to be absolutely devastating. So again, it starts with a sort of piece of iconography or this image or this idea of the pigeon camera, right? Which is this very outdated or outmoded form of uh, intelligence monitoring that, you know, like the CIA used to do, or like NASA, I think, or someone like that. You know, they used to use pigeons essentially and they used to kind of mount cameras to them and they used to use them to kind of monitor and get intelligence from the enemy or whatever. But of course, this was very rudimentary, very crude. The pigeons would be very like unpredictable in terms of where they would go and sometimes like the camera would sort of shuffle around and it would be like facing the ground and it would be useless when the pigeons did arrive and so like this idea of the pigeon camera and becomes it becomes kind of like a metaphor essentially for a feeling of uselessness and kind of outmodedness and irrelevance that you feel as you get older right you're no longer useful to the people around you or you're no longer your opinions no longer matter or you're you know you've grown to the point where you're just kind of like you know the old dude who has thoughts on things and he's not relevant anymore and why would we care about him like it's it's again it's another song about aging it's actually a song about relevance and it's again it's hard with so many songs that have been written about that it's hard to come up with an original metaphor to use to powerfully convey that and the pigeon camera one is genius right because there's no one's ever written a song about pigeon cameras before there's just no way and so it has its own immediate sense of identity as a song even though the core of it what it's about is universal it finds its own unique metaphor and it's like that's cool right but then as the song goes on and you get a little bit more detail about like the nostalgia and the looking back towards you know halcyon salad days sorts of times it actually kind of has this really sort of tragic, again, not pun intended, but like devastating lens to it, right? This house has its politics. Over there, that's my room. And that's my sister's. And that's my sister with something we could no longer contain. 
right? This sort of hint towards some kind of ugliness or some kind of suppressed family trauma, essentially, that is something that we don't talk about anymore. And then the chorus is just like, it's boring. I'm embarrassed. I don't endorse that. I didn't want this. Like, it's just very off kilter sort of like random remarks, essentially, that are given context by those really sort of subtle details that are given in the verses. And then you just get that final line of, it's like we burned our boots with no contingency plan. Uh, I, I think like the songwriting is immaculate here. And I'm like, again, I've, I feel like I'm still just discovering this band. I'm still just discovering this songwriter. I haven't had a, I only had this in my life for a few days, right? But I, I, I'm already taken aback and I'm already like processing. It, and this band is already motivating me to put my English, you know, English student cap on. I mean, I've already like having to do a review on the Jam City podcast does that because I want to do a good job. But like this really made it pleasurable. Uh, and so I absolutely intend to listen to more Tragically Hip. Uh, especially their 90s records which, which all look great from what I can gather and actually before I even listened to this their album Phantom Power was already on my Rate Your Music recommendations top 100 list so that was like um, cool that kind of tied into that so now I have an excuse to prioritize that so yeah yeah I would say Phantom Power is the one to hit up next um, I think Road, App <clears throat> Road Apples and Day for Night and Trouble at the Hen House are all really beloved, and for good reason. I'm not nearly as familiar with those as I am with Phantom Power and this album, uh, so I can I feel very confident in attesting to how good Phantom Power is. Like I think the biggest power that this album has, and specifically the greatest power that Gord has as a songwriter is just being able to say everything or what feels like everything in just a handful of words and the way he says it think of the title track which is yeah that's my favorite thing here um I, and just as a side note to that um because i think this is the best example of this the guitar work on this album is front to back immaculate it's not necessarily mm -hmm. something that hits you entirely on the first handful of listens. Uh, because, I mean, really, these mixes are so dense, especially on something like Wheat Kings, which feels so minimal, but especially by like the midpoint and onwards of that song, there's so much happening instrumentally, and it's all so like virtuosic. And the title track on here is definitely this really stellar example of that uh, like the baseline that runs through the entire thing is just like it's it's literally like the spine of that song and it just holds it all together but to the point of downey being able to say so much with so little i think of the lines either it'll move me or it'll move right through me on mm. the title track and especially when you're listening to it and the way he says it oh god yeah, yeah. it feels, feels that, like that hurts everything is there every choice in life boils down to this idea and every you know just the it is interchangeable and the movements are different but everything is all that uh we've already dug into wheat kings and 
like that's i think that's just one of the best examples of storytelling and songwriting mm. ever like john prine levels of oh yeah that's a good comparison yeah i mean like the obvious um, sort of singer songwriter reference point is neil young of course also from ontario yeah. and like Town this is the kind Zant. of song that neil young would write on like after the gold rush or something like that but yeah pretty much everything on here i think is really strong like if it's not really like super resonant for me um it's at the very least really enjoyable to listen to like I don't think the wherewithal is like a super resonant song. I know I just know that I have like a really great time listening to it. And the chorus is just so fucking classically like alt rock 90s hook. Yeah. And this album's just covered in moments like that. It's got that same forward momentum as the Screaming Trees album we talked about, where it's like there's not a lot of huge diversity and sonic variation but it's so good at kind of sustaining itself constantly and just kind of changing itself little by little as it goes along so that you just kind of get swept up in it it barely feels it's already like not particularly long length feels like half its runtime fantastic um i mean even just talking about it i like it more and more and i'm definitely going to be digging into more i i like i i from what i can gather like fans call them the hip like, uh, yeah. which I think is really, really uh, endearing. Uh, play some hip. Shut up and play the hips. <laughs> Why is that not their greatest hits album? That should totally be. God. Yeah, that should totally be their compliment. They need to hire you as a manager. Yeah. They've disbanded, but, you know. Yeah, I, I think, as Morgan said, uh, their front man is no longer on the living plane. Let's do our favorite tracks and ratings for Fully Completely by the Tragically Hip. Jake, when do you go first? My three favorite tracks on here, I'm going to say Hedgen Camera, Locked in the Trunk of a Car, and We'll Go Too. Uh, least favorite, I'll say probably 50 Mission Cap, and I give the album a 7 out of 10. All right, Morgan. Uh, yeah, three favorites, title track, Wheat Kings and probably Pigeon Camera. Least favorite. Um, I like all of the songs on here like a, a fair amount, but I will probably say at the hundredth meridian, just because he says the title so many times that it almost becomes, you know, it's a televised mind at the hundredth meridian. It's the sort of thing um, that Michael Stipe's really, really, really good at doing is just repeating something like that. Um, but uh yeah. No, it doesn't quite yeah. come off here as it's well. It's a hard line to ride. Yeah, overall, I would give this a nine. All right. My three favorite tracks are uh, Wheat Kings, Pigeon Camera, and Fully Completely. My least favorite track is probably... Uh, yeah, probably is at the 100th Meridian as well. Uh, and I'm going to give the album a very effusive 7.5 which gives us an average overall of 7.8 for the Tragically Hips Fully Completely. 
let us know at home what the hip means to you what do you think of this album do you think it's their best record do you have an other record you prefer are there underrated gems in their catalog that we should listen to please let us know because your recommendations as to where we go next and i can say for sure i will take them seriously because i want to get into this band so let me know in the comments below let us know as well what you think if you enjoyed this video, please consider giving it a like and of course subscribing to the channel if you haven't already. We do reviews like this all the time, every single week. If you want to go above and beyond and support us even more, you can hit the join button and for just $1 a month, you become a member of the Jams and Tea family, get your name featured in the title crawl of every video on this channel. Plus, when you want to recommend us records to listen to and talk about on our show, your recommendations are at the top of the pile. As always though, folks, until next time, rock over London, rock on Chicago. Tim Hortons, it's time for Tim's.